0: Good morning. Good morning, welcome everybody again to New Anthem Community Church, extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting us for the very first time, we're glad you're here, hope you enjoy your experience, those of you watching online, glad you're tuning in as well, got a great email a couple of weeks ago from a guy who I hadn't seen in probably 10 or 15 years, he heard that I was a pastor had to see it for himself, so he tuned in online. He'd been watching ever since, so that's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. So, uh, hey, we're in part four of this series called Stay Positive. So, uh, if you haven't been here the past few weeks, let me kind of catch you up. We've learned what it means to be optimistic in life and how that really has nothing to do uh, with your feelings so much as it has to do with how you uh, view God. We also uh, talked about uh, the subject of gratitude and how you need to be thankful in life because we have so much really to be thankful for, especially in this country. And finally, last week we talked about encouragement. And If you missed those, again, you can check them out online. But today I want to talk to you from uh, about a subject that you maybe haven't thought about in the way I want to approach it. We're going to talk about enthusiasm, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of spiritual enthusiasm. In fact, right out of the gates here, I want to just lay before you the entire message. I can summarize it in one sentence because I would argue there are two types of people in this world. There are those who let their environments dictate and influence their enthusiasm, and then there are those who let their enthusiasm influence their environments. In other words, there are those people in this world who allow themselves to be impacted by what's going on around them. Their, inf- their enthusiasm can wane, especially in the fact that we live in a, what's a very overwhelmingly negative world. But then there are those other people who allow their enthusiasm to influence their environment. And the question then is, which are you? Are you somebody who allows their environment to control how you feel? Are you somebody that allows your enthusiasm to spread and impact your environment? It's very much a decision. We're going to talk about how you can get there this morning. But this is what I love about little kids. Because for the most part, little kids have not had to go through a lot of things in life that perhaps some of you have gone through. Life hasn't necessarily kicked them in the teeth, so to speak. So they're just enthusiastic all the time, especially little kids. I'll give you an example of this. Just the other day, uh, we were going somewhere. I'm not sure uh, where, to be honest, we were going. But we were driving in our minivan. If you know me, you would know that I hate minivans. Uh, I think they're embarrassing and humiliating and deplorable. So I try just to wear a hat, you know, when I'm in there. And if you see me, you don't know it's me. Uh, You might think it's just some guy. But anyway, we're driving in the van and this song uh, by 21 Pilots came on. And there's a line in this song where it kind of climaxes and builds. And the line says something along the lines of, I'm taking my time. And the, the word time is just kind of screamed. And my daughter is just getting it in the backseat, just screaming as loud as she can. I'm taking my time, uh, just going crazy on this song. And I realized in that moment that I'm the type of person that allows my environment to dictate my enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm sitting in this minivan, Embarrassed. My kids don't care. They allow their enthusiasm to transcend their environment. Now, you might be wondering, what does this have to do with church? Enthusiasm, spiritual enthusiasm. Church is a place of reverence and holiness and rigidity. Maybe, all right, I mean, I don't necessarily see that in Scripture, but you might be interested to know the word enthusiasm. It comes from two Greek words, En theos, I put it there in your notes. They literally translate in God. That's what that means in Greek, Entheos, theos, in en God. So really, enthusiasm starts with being in God. That's what enthusiasm is all about. Now, I'm guessing, judging by the looks on some of your faces, that your pastor didn't tell you that growing up in church. Uh, that's kind of sad, but nonetheless, church is a place for your enthusiasm. I don't uh, get to speak for every church, but I do get to speak primarily for this one, and I can tell you this is a safe place for your enthusiasm. New Anthem is a place where you can say amen, where you can raise your hands and worship to the God of the universe, where you can scream and you can shout, and if you need to dab on somebody, you can (laughs) dab on somebody. I mean, whatever you need to do, this is a safe place for you to do that. New Anthem, amazing church, right? Hey, listen, if you want to run around in here, you can run around. I don't care what you need to do in order to have your, don't run towards a stage, okay? That makes me a little, gets me a little nervous. We do have a security team. They will escort you out, but uh, your enthusiasm might get you in trouble. But whatever you need to worship God, enthusiasm, it's a safe place. Church is meant for your enthusiasm. It's what I love about new Christians, See, they they don't know that you're not supposed to raise your hands in worship yet. I mean, they just are happy that the God of the universe saved their soul, cleansed them from addiction, whatever it is that they went through. uh, They'll say whatever they need to say. They haven't been a Christian so long that they realize that that's not how you're supposed to act in church. Please don't ever be a Christian so long that you lose your enthusiasm for God. I'm going to show you a scripture here, kind of set up where we're going today. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It reads like this, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always work, what's that word? Always work enthusiastically. Let's say that together as a church. One, two, three. Always work enthusiastically. Yes. For who? For the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Do you know that? Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Those of you who get up at Six thirty or six o 'clock whatever to get here on a Sunday morning by seven in order to set up for church, those of you in the hospitality team who make sure we have great coffee snacks those of in the tech team who set up all this equipment, those in children 's ministry who're watching your kids, those on the welcome team who make sure you have welcome guys every morning and greet you in the name of the Lord. nothing. That you do is ever useless. It's about serving the Lord. I'm speaking in the context of church, because this is where we're at, but even in your life, nothing is ever useless. Now, do you see the sequence of events within the scripture? What well, was first? It said, Thank God. Be thankful. Have gratitude. Why? Because God has given us victory over sin and death. He saved you. Again, don't lose sight of that fact that God gave up everything in order to save your soul. The only appropriate response for that would be for you to give up your life in order to serve the God who gave up everything for you. Now, In light of that fact, what I want to do with the rest of our time is I want to look at a guy in our Old Testament, his name's David, and I'm calling this the the spiritual entheos of David, the entheos of David. I want to look at the spiritual enthusiasm of a little boy who grew up to be king of Israel. I want to show you what his spiritual enthusiasm looked like when he had it. I want to talk about how he lost it. Because some of you came this morning and you need spiritual enthusiasm, maybe for the very first time. I want to talk about how you can get there. But then I know there's others of you who've lost your spiritual enthusiasm. You're in a dark place and you need to get it back. And we're going to talk about both things here this morning. Because just like King David, you can get it back. I promise you that. So I want to start with a well-known story uh, about David and a guy named Goliath. So if you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and grab it. Open it up to 1 Samuel. It's going to be towards the front of your Bible, again, in the Old Testament. You want chapter 17. Again, as we read this, I want you to start seeing things through the lenses of spiritual enthusiasm. That's what we're talking about this morning. Remember, there are two types of people in this world. Those who let their environments influence their enthusiasm. Then those who let their enthusiasm influence influence their environments. It's a lens that we need to look at this story with. If you don't know the backstory of David and Goliath, here it is. Uh, There's an enemy of Israel. They're called the Philistines, a big army, and they come to invade Jerusalem and and Israel. They meet on these two hilltops. It's called the Valley of Elah, if you're curious. When Israel's on one side, the Philistines are on the other side. And for 40 days, Goliath comes out from the top of his hillside and calls out to the Israelite army and belittles them and says, If you'll send your champion over to come and fight me, and if I defeat him, you'll be our slaves. But if he defeats me, you'll be our slaves. And Now, you might uh, be curious, well, why didn't they just invade one another. Well, this was actually a very popular kind of tradition in ancient cultures. They would just have a one-on-one battle. Uh, not need, you know, No need to kill everybody. Let's just fight one-on-one. Whoever wins, uh, that settles it. If you've seen that movie, uh, Kingdom of Heaven with Brad Pitt, when he's Achilles or whatever, very opening scene that uh, happens. I thought about showing it, but that would have been bad news. Okay, so uh, as this is unfolding for 40 Days you can imagine the the drain that's being uh, felt on this Israelite side because they're nervous. They don't want to go fight this giant. And again, I don't know what you know about uh, warfare, but it's it's a lot harder to attack uphill than it is downhill. So neither army is real excited about having to go fight the other one uphill. You've walked uphill. You understand how hard sometimes that can be. So. Neither one is too anxious about trying to invade the other one, but the Israelites especially are not excited about facing this guy on uh, named Goliath. So we have here this uh, a boy named David. His dad is a shepherd, so David is also happens to be a shepherd. And his brothers are in the Israelite army. His dad, Jesse, says that he needs to go bring his brothers some food, that they've been there for forty days. Who knows how long this is going to last? And so this is where we're at in First Samuel chapter seventeen. David happens to come up on the scene when uh, Goliath begins to speak and asks, "Well, who are, who's going to go fight this fool? Right? How's he going to belittle us?" And the army around David's like, I, I'm not messing with that dude. Have you seen how tall that guy is? I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere near that guy. And David says, I'll go fight that fool. That's a little bit paraphrased, but uh, essentially that's what he says. I'm, I ain't scared of that bum. And so this is good news for the Israelite army. They go and tell King Saul, um, hey, the commander of the Israelite army, hey, King Saul, this, this David, he said that he's going to go kill this giant Goliath. Now, I want to put this a little bit in perspective for you because oftentimes we read this scripture and we hear, you can read in there in, in chapter 16 about how Goliath is six cubits tall and he was tall. And so uh, I, I, f- I felt like this would be helpful for everybody this morning. I had my guy, if you all don't have a guy, you need a guy. You can't have my guy because he's really good, as you can tell. Uh, I had him build Goliath because when we read about six cubits and uh, and a a span, that doesn't really mean anything to us. And even if you know the math, it's nine and a half feet tall. But until you see it, a man of this size coming out and belittling you, saying, send your champion to fight me, right? I mean, this is insane. David wasn't even nearly as tall as I am. Uh, He's probably like 5'5". And at five foot, maybe even, you know, at age 12, and he walks up to this man and sees him and says, who's going to kill that bum? David says, I, I'll kill that fool. Uh, I'm not scared anywhere. And furthermore, if you're the king of Israel, and this man is standing out there, And you get this little shepherd boy that walks up to you and says, I'll kill that guy. At what point do you think, yes, I'm going to rest the hopes and dreams of my entire country in order to avoid slavery. I'm going to rest my hopes and dreams on a little shepherd boy. When you see that giant, he was clearly not okay. But let's watch what happens. All right, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's pick it up in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Who's going to deliver him? The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Man, I love the Bible. Talking about vultures coming and eating on people. What? What? That's ridiculous, but it's, right, it's all right there. David says, I'm going to cut off your head, and you're going to know that there's a God in heaven who works for us, who saved us, who's going to save this army. Anybody? Like this is, this is crazy talk. David walking up to this dude and saying, I'm going to cut off your head. Unbelievable. David has an enthusiasm not born out of human confidence, but a confidence in his God. Praise God for that. We're going to talk about that more next week. Confidence in God. Now, why was a little boy so confident that God would move on his behalf? and for the people of Israel. How could he be so full of spiritual enthusiasm? Where did this spiritual enthusiasm come from? This is important. This happens in verse or chapter 16. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So before he ever saw Goliath, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Now, let me tell you why that's good news. Because David's spiritual enthusiasm came from the Spirit of the Lord. En Theos. In God. The same Spirit that rushed on David is the same Spirit that lives in you. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that he came to this earth and died for your sins, if you've repented of your sins, if you've trusted that he's raised from the dead, his spirit literally takes up residence in your life. The same spirit that allowed David to slay this giant lives in you. There's hope for your spiritual enthusiasm. The only difference between you and David is that David chose to let his enthusiasm impact his environment. Perhaps, like me, you've allowed your environment to dictate your enthusiasm. We see this spiritual enthusiasm all throughout Scripture as well. David wrote a number of psalms, and they're just songs and praises to God. He sings passionately to God. You can read about David dancing passionately before the Lord, so much so that it embarrassed his wife. I love that. Because I'm all, I mean, I, you just saw me dab up here and she was like, oh my God, well, You know, this is a good degree. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you know, wives know what I'm talking about. You can embarrass your wives a little bit. But in short, the spiritual enthusiasm and passion, it filled David to his core. And it all was in Theos, in God. How many people, right now if david would show up into any church all across america would think what's wrong with this dude this dude's crazy he's all fired up what's he fired up about <laughs> the god of the universe that saved his soul he's simply doing what y'all do at a football game right yeah i mean did that just get real in here y'all got kind of quiet on me all of a sudden people are like oh snap you know it, but this is what we do in culture We can get fired up for things of silliness, but we can't get fired up for the God who cleansed our soul. The Savior of the world's JV, you know, compared to those Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, whoever, Cowboys, whatever. Uh huh. Verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Smoked that fool. Read on. Cuts off his head. Science is all out there talking about how the slingshot provides the same velocity of like a 45 caliber handgun. I mean, it's unbelievable what David was able to accomplish. You can also read on talking about how he killed the cousins of this man as well. Five stones, the reason he picked up five stones from the water. Now, you eventually uh, will see in Scripture, David becomes king. King Saul, the king at this time. Is eventually killed, and David rises to the throne, and his passion led him to that purpose. God called him. His spiritual enthusiasm and passion led him to that. His entheos dictated his environment, his enthusiasm for God. He didn't allow the things around him that were happening, the turmoil, all those things. He didn't allow that to impact his enthusiasm. His enthusiasm impacted his environment. But Listen, it didn't take long for David to lose that enthusiasm as king, perhaps like some of you this morning. Let's look at this. Turn a couple pages to your right, to 2 Samuel. You want Second Samuel chapter 11, just right there in verse 1. That's the big number 11. It says, in the spring... At the time when kings go off to war. Now, what was David at this time? King. Where should he have been? Off at war. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and she was very beautiful. You can find out what happens uh, in the rest of Scripture. David, you know, says, hey, it looks like somebody needs to go minister to her. And that happens. Uh, She becomes pregnant. He kills the guy. Anyway, because when David wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something he shouldn't have seen. He did something that he shouldn't have done because he thought something that he never should have thought. When did it start? When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, why was he not there? That's the question you should be thinking about. I want to show you the contrast of what happens from where David had the spiritual enthusiasm as a kid. He becomes king. He does something of a vile nature. Where did he lose the spiritual enthusiasm? You can write this down. As a kid with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God. As a king, with apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. We read it in Scripture. David ran into battle, pulling out a stone, slinging it, killing him in order to serve his God. And yet, as a king, he became apathetic to the whole Christian faith. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he started walking around on his roof in order to serve comfort. Question is: Are you running for God? Or are you walking? To serve your own comfort. How did a man with so much enthusiasm, writing psalm after psalm, dancing before the Lord, how did he lose that as king? Think about that. How did he lose his spiritual enthusiasm after slaying this giant? I would argue that he took his eyes off his calling. He put it on his comfort. Instead of it being about God anymore, he put it on himself. Said, so I'm going to make this about me. What makes me happy? How do I feel? That led David down a dark path. The point I want to raise is this: Which of these two categories best represents you? You, someone who runs into battle to serve their God, because make no mistake, we are in a battle. Or you, somebody who walks around apathetically. In order to serve your own comfort and to get things that you feel like you deserve in this life, and the truth of the matter is, if you got what you deserved, it'd be bad, bad news. Are you charging into spiritual battle with enthusiasm? In Theos, filled with God? Are you on the other team, focusing on yourself? We need to be on the attack. in Theos in enthusiasm, in God, spiritual enthusiasm. Remember our first Corinthians passage. We always work enthusiastically for the Lord. It means whatever we're doing, we're constantly lifting high the name of Jesus. When the spirit of the living God is living in you, you're taking him with you everywhere. And you're a representative of his behalf. The Bible says you're a viceroy of God. Everything we do, we do for the glory of God. I can remember a while back, I was invited to speak at a, a church, and uh, as I got there, it was just kind of a, a different environment than what I feel like we've cultivated here. And I felt very awkward and just kind of on edge and, and tense. And you, have anybody been there? You've just been somewhere you feel like you didn't fit in. Okay? Not, not, not even necessarily church. You just go and you show up somewhere and you're just like, man, I'm not, I'm not comfortable here. And I, I felt a little bit b- that way, but uh, I, I, I did what God's called me to do. I spoke and, uh, and uh, felt like I communicated God's word in a helpful way. And afterwards, a lady came up to me and she said, uh, she said that was uh, passionate, just like that, passionate. I was like, I, I, in my mind, I, I don't know if that's a compliment, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm great. Yes, I, I, I'll take that because how could I be anything less? The God of the universe saved my soul. A kid from Kansas, nowhere with no real qualifications on my resume. God given me the opportunity to stand up every single week and proclaim His goodness. How could I be? Anything besides passionate, right? I mean, passionate. What are, I don't even know what that means. May I die before I'm anything less than passionate? Man, if you guys knew the sins that God has cleansed me from, you'd be appalled to think that he could use somebody of that magnitude to proclaim his goodness. I mean, would you rather me stand up here and be like, oh, there's a giant named you know, Goliath, six cubits tall, didn't really do anything, David, you know, he just killed this dude. What? Like, aren't you, aren't, I mean, are you kidding me? How could you be anything less than passionate for your God? Are you enthusiastic about your calling? Calling God's place on you as a mom or a dad, husband, wife, somebody in the workforce, teacher, coach, whatever God has called you to. Are you enthusiastic about serving the Lord in that way? Some of you hate your job because you misunderstand your job. Always working for God. First Corinthians. Well, pastor, I know I, I get that. I should be serving. I, I mean, I, but you know, I would just rather walk around the roof of my palace. That's where some of us are at. I'd rather make this life about us and what we need. Somebody else can do that. Sure, I get that every single week, somebody's back there watching my kids. I'm thankful for that, but, you know, I'm just so busy. I get that somebody every single week has to get here at 7 o'clock in the morning, set all these chairs up, and and, uh, uh, welcome me, and make my coffee, and make my food, and all, you know, but I got teenagers. You know, life just gets, and I, listen, I get it. I understand, but that's exactly my point, because David was there. David's life was busy. The same thing happened. The kid who attacked a giant in a field and killed him with a stone ascends to the peak of the universe, king of Israel. And he loses it all because he's focused on himself. Stopped focusing enthusiastically on his calling, settled into a life living in comfort. And tragically, it happens all over the world right now. People start saying things like, well, that was passionate. Okay, yes. It's actually what worries me about ever leaving this school. Because we have to be enthusiastic here, right? I mean, we have to allow our enthusiasm to dictate environment. Otherwise, we're coming to an a elementary school gymnasium. No, 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 no. Our enthusiasm creates the environment that we feel every single morning nervous about getting a building and we start focusing things on cameras and chairs and lights and all of that. Every Sunday morning, neighbors across the street can hear our enthusiasm for the Lord, our God. It makes me nervous if we were ever to lose that. May we always be people of enthusiasm. May we always be those who allowed our enthusiasm to dictate our environment, not our environment to influence our enthusiasm. None of this would make any difference if Jesus didn't have something to say about this. And I want to point out what Jesus has to say. He says it and weighs in in Revelation 2, 4. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. He's speaking to a church in Ephesus, a church who had... Uh, literally rioted for their God. Man, how cool would that be if somebody would just flip over a car and set it on fire for me, but you know, whatever. This whole church is rioting for their God. And Jesus says, I have this against you. You lost the love you had at first. But notice what he says. He didn't, I just said that you lost, he didn't say you lost it. He said you abandoned it. See, that, there's a big difference there. You lose something, you might you forget it. You abandoned it. You made the decision to leave your first love. That's what Jesus says. And here's why that's a big deal. Because it means you can get it back. If you walked away from it, you know where it's at. You can go back and get it verse 5 how remember therefore what you have where you have fallen from repent and do the works you did at first you want your spiritual enthusiasm back remember repent return remember where you were at repent of falling from that position return to doing the works you did At first, see, this is very much participatory on your end. God calls you to remember where you were and then to repent of any sin that you have on your life and then to do something about it enthusiastically to live out your calling, get to work on changing. This isn't about prayer. No, no, no. no. This is about practice. This is more than prayer. Prayer is certainly part of it. Don't mishear me. But this is about practice and doing something for God. See, listen, listen. You never know what God is going to use in somebody else's life. David, all those years before he met Goliath, was practicing in a field with that slingshot, protecting his sheep, killing Lions and wolves and whatever else and just, pra- I'm sure he'd set up the old can, right? And slingshot. So when the time came for him to fight in a battle, that was an easy shot for it. Look at the target. You know how much harder it is to kill a little tiny wolf than it is a nine foot man? David was prepared because he practiced. What in your life are you practicing right now? that God could use to move somebody else's behalf. But David got complacent. See, because practice isn't always fun. I get that as an athlete, as a coach, right? I mean, there are times where practices are really not fun at all. But there was a time in your life when you were enthusiastic about God. And now maybe not so much. You've become comfortable like yeah yeah jesus saved us blah 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 i get it i'm gonna just go do my own thing and god says remember where you were enthusiastically repent of not being there anymore and get to work on returning jesus says consider how far you've fallen i wonder how many people here this morning would would be honest with themselves and actually say you know what that's me Yeah, I was in Theos at one time. I was filled with the Spirit of God. I was living for a purpose, but now I'm not so much anymore. I've actually fallen in a significant way. Others of you, I wonder if you'd be honest and say, never had it. Done the right things, came to church, feel like I've heard about God, but I've never felt this spiritual enthusiasm in my life. Jesus said, you can can have it or you can get it back. You simply have to remember, repent, and return. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I love that the Bible says the Spirit rushed on David. How many of you this morning can pray for God to rush his Spirit into your soul? Let me tell you, because you're thinking, well, I wonder, remembering where I was at spiritually, I had this in Theos, what was I doing that I had spiritual enthusiasm, I'll tell you what you were doing. You trusted God daily for your provision. You walked with God daily. You worshiped God daily. That's what you did. And guess what you saw? God actively involved in your life daily. You saw his goodness. You saw his mercy. You saw him moving in ways that you didn't think were even possible. That's what happened for David as well saw God move on his behalf. but Then he started serving his own comfort, perhaps like some of you, focused on yourself, how to make your life better. And it took a prophet named Nathan to come up to Daniel and say, hey, I I heard a story about a rich man who had tons and tons of sheep. There was also this poor man who had one sheep he loved that sheep very much. And he'd carry that sheep and he'd pet that sheep. That sheep was very important to him. But then the rich man one day came and stole that man's sheep and killed the other man. David said, that's horrible. That's the worst story I've ever heard. Let's kill that man. Let's kill that rich fool. Nathan says, you're that man. It broke David's heart. He remembered where he was, how far he'd fallen. And he repented of his sin. You can check it out for yourself. Psalm 51, prayer of repentance. is powerful, powerful scripture. But I'll read you just a couple lines. David cries out to God. He says, God, create in me a pure heart. Create and renew a steadfast spirit within me. At one point he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore the joy of my of my salvation. Man, we, may we never forget the joy of our salvation. Now, if you're like me, feeling convicted, as I was this week, trying to prepare this message, remembering how far I'd fallen even at times. How the, I've allowed my environment to impact my enthusiasm much more than I've allowed my enthusiasm to impact my environment. Here's what I can tell you. God's trying to tell you. Like he used Nathan the prophet to tell David, he might be trying to use me to tell you that you can't get back the time, but you can get back the enthusiasm. Forget all that lost season. Repent, return, and get to work on the future. I Man, I'm believing that the Spirit of God wants to fill you up and wants to change your life. Imagine if you went home today and you changed the tone. The home's not gonna impact you anymore. Your enthusiasm's going to impact your home. You're gonna walk up to your spouse and you're gonna say, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me and I love you. And you're gonna kiss them and they're gonna th- ask you, have you been drinking? And you're gonna say, nope, not at all. Just got filled up with the Holy Spirit today and I love you and I'm gonna make some changes today and i'm going to get back to work on loving you and loving the family and working hard all for the name of the lord not going to take for granted anymore the situation that we're in i have some enthusiasm for my life it's going to be a difference when you walk into your job on monday morning because now you realize that you're not working for the man you're working for the man and you're going to start serving the Lord, and you're going to remember that all those morons around you God's put there in order to grow your spirit of perseverance, <laughs> and that when you lay your head on bed at night, you know what? You say, I serve the Lord today. I worked hard for him and for his glory, and I did everything I could in order to bring glory to his name and not spite, and some of you are going to walk home, and instead of sitting your unenthusiastic butt down on the couch, flipping on the TV, or scrolling through your cell phone, you're going to get enthusiastic about your life, and you're going to tell your kids, you know what, I'm going to jack you kids up, and then we're going to eat pizza because we're going to get 20% to New Anthem, and then we'll probably get some cupcakes because cupcakes are awesome, okay? (laughs) And that's what you need to do. You need to create enthusiasm in your home, in your workplace, in your schools, because you're serving God, you always work, what's our word? Enthusiastically for the Lord. You're going to impact the world around you on a much deeper level. Others of you, you're going to get this Theos. you're going to get in God, you're going to get this spiritual enthusiasm, and you're going to realize that you need to start serving your church. That you need to start getting into a small group. Impact other people's lives. You're not going to allow somebody to watch your kids every single week while you get to sit in here. You're going to give them some time off. And you're not going to allow the same people every single week to come set up and serve you and do all of those things, welcome you and all the things that we have to do here on a Sunday morning. You're going to say, you know what? God's called me. He's given me an ability to do something, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve him just even once a month. Give somebody a little bit of a break. You're going to get in that group and your life's going to change. Perhaps your spouse's life is going to change because you're enthusiastic about God. That's why we work enthusiastically. It's not for us. It's for the Lord, for the people that God has placed around us. We're going to allow our enthusiasm to change their lives. We do it all for the Lord. Whatever you do, wherever you do it, wherever you are, you work enthusiastically for the Lord. You might have your agenda, but on the first place in that agenda, it needs to be serve God, because there are two types of people in this world. There are those who let their environment influence their enthusiasm, and there are those who allow their enthusiasm to influence their environments. As we close, we'll get ready to pray, but you need to hear me say this. Enthusiasm is not a product of how you feel. It's born out of an intimacy with God. In theos, in God. There are going to be mornings when you wake up and you do not feel enthusiastic. You need to pray to the Lord to have his spirit rush upon you so you can allow your enthusiasm to impact your environment. I'm enthusiastic this morning, believing that there are those of you who are going to regain your enthusiasm. There's going to be those of you who get enthusiasm for the very first time. You're going to recognize how far you've fallen away from God. And with intimacy, you're going to restore that relationship. And I'm excited to see how your spiritual enthusiasm impacts this church, impacts your family, impacts the world around you. And I'm believing enthusiastically that we can change, not just Park City, but the world through all of you. Amen, somebody. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would speak to those who have fallen away. That you would give them a sense of your spirit rushing into their lives right now. That with enthusiasm, they can change just today. We'll start with the next few hours, God, that you change with enthusiasm, they impact their environment. they change their workplace, they change their school they change their families because you filled them up. God draw those who have never accepted you to you to yourself right now. Speak to them if that's you this morning you hear. Sound of my voice, God speaking to you deep in your heart, saying, I've never had this enthusiasm. I want it. Bible says, confess your sins and believe in your heart. You'll be saved. I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Just pray in your heart with me right now. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. Sorry I haven't followed you fully. But I believe jesus died for me that he rose from the dead and because of that i am made new thank you for saving me god thank you for all the lives represented here this morning again i just pray that your holy spirit rushes on each person today that they can change the world around them that people will ask them What is it about you? And they can say, in Theos, I'm in God. I've got enthusiasm that transcends my situation because God is in me. Thank you and praise you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.